Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. They don't deserve people in the Ukraine and people in Syria and places of the Middle East and all over the world. We ask, oh God, to meet and comfort the families of those who are grieving the loss of loved ones and make us a channel of blessing each of us wherever we live under whatever circumstances help us to trust you now lord speak to us from your word we pray in jesus name amen today we pick up where we left off two weeks ago i shared with the audience then my personal commitment to being a voice primarily to remind the church, the followers of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, that we are called upon to be propagators of the good news. I recognize and I admit that I'm not in the lane of the great teachers. I'm in the lane marked simplicity. I acknowledge and appreciate the ministry of the great expositors of the Bible and the gifted teachers of the deep truths of God. And I learn from them and I draw upon them. But mine is simple. And I trust that God will touch you with this simplicity. For the foreseeable future, we'll be looking at what I call the propagation phase of the redemption story. From an earthly point of view, it all began with what the church and the world now calls Christmas. Thus, we began in December of 2021 to trace the whole process and progress of God's great redemption plan from eternity past, coming on through to Bethlehem and leading all the way to Calvary and to the empty tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the sake of connection, if you are hearing this for the first time, here's where we came from and where we are today. We began the series with the following outline of seven stops along the way, or seven phases in the redemption plan of God. Later, we added the eighth phase called the propagation. That captured my attention, and we have been looking at that phase, particularly in the book of Acts, for the last little while. And I expect we'll continue there for a while to come. But the plan from which we worked was the plan from eternity past in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And then that was followed by the promise of God to the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the predictions of the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Micah, and so on. And then we talked about the preparation period, which involved people like John the Baptist, 
Mary and Joseph, Caesar's decree, all of that leading up to the presentation story, which we find in Luke chapter 2, Jesus Christ is born. And from there we went on to the performance and the personification of Jesus Christ dying upon the cross of Calvary. And then we had the proof, the proof that he was indeed God's gift to the world, God's Savior. He rose from the dead like he said he would, and we looked at that in Luke 24. And then came the proclamation, and what I now call the propagation. The proclamation phase began after Jesus had blessed and instructed his disciples to take the message into the whole world. The descent of the Holy Spirit on the first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection was the grand launch of this propagation phase of the movement. And that's recorded for us in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We've talked about the fact that they were in one accord, in one place, and in a prayer meeting when the Holy Spirit came in fulfillment of the promise of our Lord Jesus. I believe those conditions are prerequisites for any significant movement of God at any period in history, including today. Unfortunately, and tragically, most of the church movements that I have observed today act as though their smart business programmatic approach to ministry is a replacement for Holy Ghost revival. I'm not talking about the size of the gathering. I'm not speaking of the excitement that they arrive, arouse. These elements are reproducible and are similarly achieved by rock stars, great athletes, and so on. So I don't mean how big the church, how great the noise, how significant the music. I've been in the Buffalo Bills Stadium when there were 80,000 people assembled to watch our team take on an opponent. I have watched the great performers either in the theater or on the big screen. So crowd size and excitement level are not genuine barometers for measuring Holy Spirit presence and power. Sometimes it's in the quiet little country church or in the little prayer meeting when saints cry out to God to break us, Lord melt us, Lord break us, Lord send revival. That's where God's work finds its bona fide origins. What began in the prayer room and unquestionably spilled over into the streets on that day and broke out in the crowd that gathered was heaven had come down and glory had filled their soul and filled the place. What we have been saying is that the movement that began in the book of Acts is a movement that is continuing today. I long for the day. I long for you and me to go back in thought and imagination to what was happening on the day of Pentecost. I want us to go back because that is a model that still is viable today. Dr. Luke wrote to the Gospel of Luke to challenge on catalog all that Jesus began to do and teach. Then without any further explanation, 
and with a sense of urgency, he took up his pen and wrote the book of Acts as a continuation of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And Jesus continued in the book of Acts. We view how in Holy Spirit power the assembled disciples began announcing the good news about Jesus, his life, his death, and his marvelous, miraculous resurrection. In other words, they were preaching the gospel by which we're saved, by which I was saved. It remains God's only means of saving lost sinners. On that historic Pentecostal day of outpouring, miracles happened. And we must not ignore that. Our God is still the God of miracles. Judaism had made inroads into and among people throughout the Roman Empire and the beyond. And many had come up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish Feast of Pentecost. Imagine, if you will, the great throngs who came. They heard of the brutal crucifixion and the miraculous resurrection of Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth. But that wasn't all. There were those close followers of Jesus who had seen him after his resurrection, and now they are endowed with the extraordinary power and miracle language skills, and people are curious. They're excited. These people, all from the Galilee region of Judea, where the primary languages were Greek and Aramaic, and of course among the Jewish communities there was the Hebrew language, but they were hearing the good news in about 16 different languages from the places from which they came, and the dialects that represented their hometowns. That was not the only significant aspect of this phenomenon. There was the fact that this launch of evangelistic work, this beginning of church activity and church fellowship, took place in a multicultural atmosphere. The various ethnic groups represented there were in fellowship, although the diversity and the people that they represented were residents of 16 different territories in the Roman Empire and beyond, including North Africa. Oh, my friend, although at this point my primary focus is not the multicultural and multiracial atmosphere in which the Church of Jesus Christ was launched, I dare say it ought to be a rebuke to the segregated church that existed or even still exists in the United States of America and perhaps where you live. It is a teachable moment. It is food for thought as we trace the movement of the continuing representation of what Jesus began to do and teach. It is important. It's important that we pay attention to the model that Jesus left us. He said that if you follow me, you will not be hail, fellow, well met. The model hasn't changed. What may have changed is our expectation. We want yesterday's spiritual power using our own modified model, model and we want the world to accept and embrace us. My friend, the world is not a friend of grace, and I urge you to look to Jesus. Let the Spirit of God embody you, fill you, empower you, and take you out to the marketplace, telling them that Jesus saves. The early disciples that represented in the book of Acts 
were consecrated people. They were committed to their mission. They were centered on their message. They couldn't be bought. They were fully persuaded that the decision they had made to follow Jesus superseded all and every earthly endeavor and every earthly engagement. They left all and followed Jesus. Is there somebody listening to me who wants to make Jesus the primary focus of your life, the center of your being, the Lord of your every movement? Jesus wants you to come. That is what it will take to be like propagators that Jesus will appreciate and God can bless. As this movement began, Peter, in his first sermon, challenged the Jews who were there, and he said, Therefore, that all Israel be assured that this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Are you asking what you should do today? My friend, I encourage you, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, right now, right now, lift your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I thank you for dying in my place. I claim you as Lord, Savior, Master of my life. Amen. Friend, get a hold of us. Tell us that you made a decision for Christ. Help us to help you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Coming home, coming home.